Well, another week of college football is in the books, which means you are listening to another episode of Running for the Roses, a Rose Bros production podcast. I am Patrick Wagner, joined by my crack shot team of Ryan Bathalukas and Lucas Rohde. That's right, it's Ryan Bathalukas Rohde coming to you live. <laughs> As Ryan shakes his head. Um, on the ones and twos. Exactly. On same the ones and twos. Bat time, same bat channel. Now, this week in college football, we saw some interesting things, saw some great things, some not so great things. Looking at you, Herm Edwards. Boys, how do we think the week in college football went? It, good. I mean, it, it was a big week. Um, you had a big one down in East Lansing, you had another big one. Like this was a big, this was a big, big ten week, and I, I don't know if Lucas wants to speak more to that, but you probably had the two best teams in the West playing in Iowa and Wisconsin. You had the four best teams in the East kind of starting their little round robin tournament: Penn State, Ohio State, and the two Michigan schools. A um, little bit of a down week in the SEC. Not a ton of great matchups. The uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party was a bit of a a lopsided affair, as most people thought it would. Um, best game of the weekend really was Ole Miss and Auburn. Auburn continues to impress. Uh, they're six and two now, only one loss in conference. They like legitimately have a chance. Um, they have a big one this week against A and M. But if, if if they get past that, it's going to be a big one. Like the Iron Bowl could be huge. Um, so it was it it was a good week. I unfortunately had to work some of Saturday, so I missed a lot of the afternoon games. I did get eyes on ASU, which I think we'll get to here soon. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, Lucas, it was a good so, Lucas, yeah, talk to us. You're you're the you're the Big Ten expert. We come to you when we want all things Beth Moens at eleven o'clock running the football, like you know. <laughs> it's funny we make the Beth Moens quote, but like every eleven o'clock Big Ten game <laughs> on like ESPN is like Bob Wishes and Dan Orlovsky now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, man, how about 70 so, combined no, points I, I in the Michigan the, game? This was like Michigan a banner week for the Big Ten. So kind of kind of that. walk us through like kind of what you saw as, you know, someone entrenched in the Big Ten. Well, I think you saw both sides of the Big Ten. We saw, I think, the, the normal stereotype for the Big Ten is low scoring, you know, grind out games. We definitely saw that in Wisconsin. Iowa, which hit the under, by the way, uh, 36 and a half. But we saw the opposite of that in Michigan, Michigan State, over almost 900 yards combined offense between the two. Uh, Michigan, one thing uh, we were kind of talking about before the pot, they probably should have won this game. They're up by 16 at the end of the third quarter. They had over 400 passing yards between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy or McCaffrey. They probably should have won this game. I don't think if you're yes, we're the and this is coming from someone who wasn't a big Michigan believer. I was a little bit more impressed with them after this game than I was before. I think a lot of the heat's going to be on Harbaugh because he still can't win these big rivalry games, but he can. But I mean, they still got games against Penn State and Ohio State. Will they win those games? I think they beat Penn State, which would set up a, a huge game at the end of the year. Uh, but that was a really fun one. Kenneth Walker, Patrick, you're going to go on him in a little bit later. The dude's just a stud. And the funny thing is he was a transfer from Wake Forest, who is undefeated right now. Uh, so I guess it worked out for, for both sides. But, yeah, on there, uh, it looks like Michigan State, really the big surprise of the year. Um, 
especially uh, only Mel Tucker's second year. Uh, Wisconsin now is in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, which is crazy considering their start. Um, but I think they have, and I'm I'm totally being biased, but I also don't think it's it's a overreaction. I think they have the best defense besides Georgia in the country. I firmly believe that. Um, and Minnesota keeps winning too. They crushed Northwestern after that loss against Bowling Green. They've just kind of been what they are. doesn't matter what running back they have. They're going to run for 200 yards against you, and then they're going to throw 10 times for 200 yards because all they do is play action deep passes. So um, interesting week in the Big Ten. Um, another one is Nebraska, 3-6, and six, losing to Purdue. Uh, the win expectancy for Nebraska or for Nebraska in that game was 93%. Uh, out of their six losses, they have had a winning percentage uh, or a win expectancy of over 50% in five of those six losses. The Nebraska it's, fan base. Um, it's brutal. On the uh, on the college football subreddit, they do these post game threads. The Nebraska one is is the most depressing. Like the fans are so, just so they don't know what to do, man. So they lose, so, like think of, so think of how Nebraska, they lost to Michigan. Like they were right in that. So Nebraska. Area. So if you look the, at the, the Nebraska fandom, and, and we can kind of look at like kind of on, on the micro here of like this is what's going on this season, or this is what's happened since they've been the potential. But if you go back and look at the macro of Nebraska football in the '80s, they were considered potentially the greatest college football team to ever exist. So like we are not, we are one generation away from Nebraska kicking the shit out of everybody. So now we're like they're wearing it on the teeth in Lincoln. I mean, this. Yeah. Was, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say this was a program that went like 50 plus years going to a bowl game. They haven't been to a bowl game uh, since Mike Riley's second year then, uh, which I believe was like five years ago. And they're three and six, and their next three games are uh, Ohio State, who they have this week, Wisconsin, at, at Wisconsin, and then they have Iowa. So. Wow. <laughs> Oh, is it time, is it time for Husker basketball? And they're back to the drawing board right away. Well, I mean, listen, like, do they get rid of, I mean, not to jump too far into the coaching thing, but like, so we, we saw Gary Patterson. Did, was he fired or did he retire? Like, he was fired, right? It was a, it was a mutual. Okay. A mutual so he situation. was mutually forced to retire Correct. and fire. Okay. <laughs> Um, you look at like there could be some really high profile jobs open up. I mean, granted, I think we see this every year, but LSU, USC are already open. Miami, <laughs> Miami keeps saving Manny Diaz's job, man. I mean, they beat Pitt in Pitt. They've won two games in a row. They're they're playing good football, which is crazy. Um, Nebraska could be open. Like ASU could be open. Like there's a lot of interesting things. But I mean, how do you keep Scott Frost if he goes three and nine or even four and eight? In his what fourth year? Like you mm-hmm. can't do that. His best season is I think five and seven in his second year. And look, if and we talked about this a few weeks ago, when you have close losses against good teams, and like maybe it's your first or second year, yeah, that's stuff you can build on. But that's not supposed to be happening in your fourth year, especially and, and, when and, you're and, a program as prideful as Nebraska. And Lucas, I, I I want you to take this the right way here. You're not necessarily competing in the uh, in the SEC West here. No. I mean, you got a forty a fourth of your schedule is Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and and Purdue. I mean, come on, like you should be able to get three wins there. Mm-hmm. Steal one from Wisconsin every few years. Steal one from Iowa. Like that's what you should be able to do. Like I don't understand. Like people are like, well, Nebraska, it's just it's past, it's due, and you're not in the '80s anymore. But like 
why can Wisconsin and Iowa do what they can do and Nebraska can't do it? Like, I don't, yeah, you're probably not going to win national championships, but you can so, still compete so this for is that the headline division on and ESPN. compete for Rose Bowl bursts. Frost remains yeah. optimistic as three and six Huskers struggle. So this is going to be his fifth losing season, okay? And he's saying that he's trying to control what they can. Clearly not much in Lincoln. Scott, from what I can tell, just uh, like well, he just looks like he's out of answers, man. I mean, he's been playing the same quarterback for eight years. Uh, there, they 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 tried to recruit all this speed from Florida, and it just hasn't worked. Wondell Robinson, their best skill guy last year, transfers to Kentucky to be closer to home and closer to his family. It's just tough. I mean, the loss to Illinois continues to look bad and bad and bad. Like you just can't lose these games, so. If they go three and nine, like again, the whole idea of like Anybody who else? do you hire? Well, like Bo Pelini, eight years ago, Bo Pelini was winning nine games um, a year. They ran him off. I would love to see so, Ed Orgeron in in, in Lincoln. Against, hey, go Huskers! <laughs> Ed Orgeron is is not getting another job at any time. Ed's going to take a year or two off. Maybe he'll come back as a coordinator or he'll be on TV. He ain't no more head coaching jobs. He'll, he'll go be Huskers! Line coach again. Yes, yes, he will. He's an unbelievable recruiter, but uh, he'll be on Lane Kiffin's uh, next staff, wherever he might be. But um, no, it's it's bad. And you mentioned it too, Ryan. Like, you know, North, all these programs can be competitive. Like Minnesota, for God's sakes, if you can build a winner, a consistent winner in Minnesota, there's no reason why you can't in Nebraska. If Northwestern can win the Big Ten West, there's no reason why Nebraska yes, can't. Yes, there's it's, no reason. It's just. I don't know if they want to be something they're not, but like Adrian Martinez threw four freaking interceptions against Purdue on Saturday, and they only lost by five. The one thing about about if you look at the blueprint from and you, like you guys know us, <laughs> we can talk Big Ten West logistics all night. You look at the you look at the blueprint that Iowa and Wisconsin set. They have identities. They know who they are. They know what the what kind of offense they want to run. They know what kind of defense. They know the kind of player they want to recruit. That stuff succeeds anywhere you go. Have an identity, recruit to it. And, yeah, it's not perfect. Like, the Iowa fans don't like their offensive coordinator. You know, Wisconsin could barely complete a pass three weeks ago. But, like, for the most part, it works. Iowa just felt like they're, like, trying to fit square pegs and round holes. Yeah, like, we're, we're going to be the yeah, spread. We're going to recruit they guys from Florida spread and, and Texas. Like the spread-style like, Pac-12, Big 12, like, wide-open offense. And it's like you're just yeah. not – It's like good luck doing that in Minnesota. Yeah, or in, like, and also like, thank you for trying to do it in like, good luck a, in a place where you're not getting the level of athletes that Ohio State's getting because Ohio State runs a pretty wide open offense. But when you look at like the rest of the Big Ten, it's like cool. You can try to run a wide open offense, but if you're recruiting 230 pound linemen to try to run this against the corn fed boys from Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, insert I'm from a small town and I pull tractors for fun. Like, it's just not going to work. Well, and that's the thing. Like you mentioned it too, Ohio State. Yeah, you can run when, that when your third when wide or five star guys. Yeah, when when your third wide receiver off the position. bench would be the best wide receiver <laughs> at any other school in the conference. Like, well, like Jamison Williams was the sixth. Yeah wide receiver for Ohio State last yeah. year yeah. and he's Alabama's leading receiver this year and probably his first round pick. Do you guys know quick uh, quick trivia question? I'll 
I will. I think Lucas knows the answer to this. At this very moment, November first, twenty twenty one, who is in first place in the Big, in the Big Ten, Ten West? Patrick. I know this. Isn't it Wisconsin? Yep. Don't look. Who's who's in first place in the Big Ten West? Who is it? Is not Wisconsin. Is not Iowa. Is not is not Illinois. We're not trying to trick you. It it's go ahead, Lucas. It's those fuckers rowing the boat. Up in- <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota Golden Gophers are four to one in conference. And theoretically are in the, I mean, the driver's seat is a, it's a loose term, but like they still got to play. So they have four games left. They have to do have to play Iowa and I believe that Wisconsin end the year. Um, but that'll be, listen, that theoretically, that game Thanksgiving weekend in camp at Camp Randall could decide the division. It's in Minneapolis. Um, it's in Minneapolis. Are they, are they, oh, is it? Okay. Okay. Um, the Gophers row the boat or I thought so, that was their pro league affiliate. <laughs> No, the the Gophers. Well, it was Western Michigan. PJ Fleck rows the boat. The, the the Gophers are just along for the ride. Next year, USC could be rowing the boat for all we know. So we'll see. How about the fact, like, I don't think we talked about it last week about how James Franklin was like just off the wall in these press conferences last week, where he's like, he's like, things are in motion. We're we're preparing for Illinois in the Big House. Like, couldn't like he was like he said that. He's yeah. all over the place in these press conferences. They go out. They actually play a decent game against Ohio State. Like, they scored the first points. They were in it. They end up losing by nine, uh, 33-24, which is a, listen, very respectable. Um, I think Penn State looks like they're the fourth best team in that in that division. Um, but I was pretty impressed with how Penn State performed, considering, I mean, it seems like James Franklin's checked out. I mean, it seems like James Franklin's either going to LSU or or I think he's going to go to USC, to be honest. I just think, I mean, I think James Franklin's kind of like the rest of that program. Like, their expectation this year was to compete for a college football playoff. And that, it, look, you lose on Iowa with your back backup quarterback. That's really, by only three, that's nothing really to hang your hat on. That Illinois, man, you can't. Can we go a week without talking about Illinois? Is that possible? Season. Especially. <laughs> No, we can't. No, we can't. I'm wearing they're my like orange. A, they're like a virus. They just keep coming back. They just keep coming back. Fighting Brett Bielema. Um, but no, it's it's just actually especially especially <laughs> when you see this week, Illinois loses to freaking Rutgers at home and only scores 14 points. It, Trust me, the uh, for those of us on the pod, <laughs> aka me, that has the Illinois <laughs> over three and a half wins. That was a, that was real. That was a real kick in the gut right there. <laughs> I need one still, more win. I need one they more. No, they still got Northwestern. They have Northwestern, and then at, at Minnesota this week could be sneaky, but I need that. That could come down to that Northwestern game. <laughs> it's going to be me. Like, it's like it's going to be, you know, rivalry weekend. All eyes are going to be on Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Bama, Auburn. It's going to be me watching the Illinois Northwestern game because I need to hit my over. Speaking of over, is the is kind of the, the hot – we were talking about James Franklin just a couple of weeks ago, maybe up for a lot of these jobs, specifically USC is his kind of his um, basically his rising stock. Is that kind of so, over right now? Especially when so I, as someone who likes to follow the USC program, I'm not USC is not a big rise and fall kind of stock job. Like they gave Clay Helton job. What was Clay Helton stock? It wasn't. So I don't know if that's a big deal, but I think if USC's like, well, we've got someone who knows how to build a program, can be successful. Let's give him a little bit more money to play with. Um, give him, you know, a program that he can recruit to 
the sunny Southern California, see if he can recruit California a bit. I don't, I don't know if that's such a big deal. I think LSU is probably kind of shying away because LSU expects to compete every single year, but I don't know. It, it just, it just seems like it's almost too much of a fit. You know what I mean? Like it's almost too good. I don't know. Lucas. It's, 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 it's tough, right? How do we judge these coaches? Like I was listening to a, a podcast the other day and they were like, you know, Mel Tucker is going to be judged on these next couple of weeks. This was before the Michigan game. Right. And it's like Mel Tucker could set himself up to earn a lot of money based on a handful of plays in these next couple games. Um, the Illinois loss is, it sucks. It, it's a really bad look for James Franklin and, and Franklin likely is going to be what eight, eight and four. Seven, yeah. They have three losses now. You still have to play Michigan and Michigan State. Patrick, could you do that any louder? Could that could you could you could you, could you finish your drink any any louder? But you can mute your microphone. I was I completely lost my train of thought about James Franklin. It was going to be a great point, and now it's over. Anyway, um, and so like we we take these these very micro moments from the season. It's like I mean, is is the fact that James Franklin loses to Illinois going to cost him the USC job? Like, if you're USC, is that the reason not to hire? I don't know. I mean, I he the last couple of weeks has acted like a coach that is has his eye on somewhere else. Um, I've I've been reading some reports about how there's a lot of struggle there to get new facilities built and some money and boosters, and he he wants this and he's trying to leverage this to get that. I mean, all these back channels work at, at these schools. That's kind of how the game is played. I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot of rumors about LSU, potentially with Mel Tucker, Dave Aranda, Lane Kiffin. I haven't heard a lot about USC, and I yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, USC, I think, is more likely to go off the wall for their hire. Maybe it comes from the NFL or a former coach or whatever. Pete Carroll but gets fired by the Seahawks. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. goes back to USC. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. You know, like if you were to ask me who's going to be the head coach of LSU, I could probably give you a reasonable answer. I don't even know so, USC. It's so, same thing with ASU. So, so if let's, you want to kind of just from the Big Ten, let's ASU, move like, to Pac-12 straight head on. Um, let's talk about our conference a little please, bit, Ryan. Please, the conference of whatever's. Um, so, look. So this week was 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 a a a, a very strange week for the Pac-12. I mean, Oregon kicked the ever-loving shit out of Colorado. Thank you, Oregon. Keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully, we'll have a contender. Um, as we've said about the Pac-12 all year, everybody's beating up on everybody else. Like, there are no teams that are, like, setting themselves apart. Utah looks good in the South. They probably have it locked up after Arizona State tripped and fell all over itself this week. Um, Stanford was good, but Washington was better. But Washington lost to, you know, the Grizz. Like, you know, ASU this weekend was like the newborn baby that pukes on itself, and then as you're changing so, the so diaper, watching, and the puke uh, just so, shits so, all over itself. So, Ryan, what was my text I sent you? Was today? How is ASU going to break my heart this week? And you're like, oh, committing 12 penalties. Not even close. Try five turnovers in the first half. One was on downs, fumbles, interceptions, like anything that could go Bro. wrong would. And you're just looking at it, and you're like, all right, so clearly everybody's just checked out on her. Like, Lucas, the good thing about your team is Wisconsin's getting better as the season progresses. ASU at one point in the second half to Utah and the first half of Washington State were outscored fifty-six to nothing in, oh. in, in those two halves. It is 
it is really bad. Um, my guess is this ends with Herm either resigning, stepping down, like kind of like a Gary Patterson, or he just retires. Um, I don't think he's a coach of this team next year. And I don't know who's going to be the coach. That's something we'll talk about later. But this team has not gotten better. I mean, Jane Daniels, uh, coming into last week, had six touchdown passes. I mean, this was a he's, guy that we still, thought could be an NFL he's actually six legit prospect. And he just does not. <laughs> I don't know why he's thrown six touchdowns in, in seven games. Give me Dude, Sam Hartman or Kenny Pickett or any, anybody over that guy. A couple balls. Um, uh, Jaden Delara, Washington State quarterback, for those of you who are not up on the lingo. He threw a couple balls. I was like, damn, Jaden Daniels couldn't make that throw if I asked him to. Gave him one wide receiver, no coverage, and a dozen footballs to do it with. Like. Uh, Lucas, from, 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 from the outside, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Well, um, so I did not watch this game live. I did watch the extended highlights. And just kind of picking out some of you, just like, oh, the key plays was one, you know, it was 14 nothing. ASU kicks that field goal, and then, what, they get ruled for a false start. And then they miss the kick immediately afterwards. And then Wazoo goes back down the field. Uh, ASU stops them on third and goal, but then they get a defensive holding penalty. And then Wazoo scores right away. It just felt like undisciplined and we've kind of seen this thing with ASU all year, especially with family, especially specifically at BYU. Um, it, yeah, it just looks like a team that doesn't have a ton of confidence, but the thing is the, the last four games are all very, very winnable. Exactly. Um, right. So against USC at Washington at Corvallis was a, was a for sure loss from the beginning of the year because I feel like ASU never plays well in Corvallis. Well, and, but, and that's the weird thing about ASU, right? So you have you have USC and U of A at home, and you have at Oregon State and at Washington sandwiched in between. I could see them going 0-4, or I can see them going 4-0. Like, I don't, I don't know what this team is, man. They are just – to come out of a bye week and have that lethargic of an effort was concerning to me. Washington State. I mean, first of all, somehow ASU decided to wear all black uniforms. It was eighty-eight degrees. That's the first thing I noticed. I texted. I don't know if I texted Patrick. I I texted Blaine. Maybe like one of our. I texted one of our colleagues. I was like, "Why is ASU wearing black uniforms at noon, and it's eighty-eight degrees?" I mean, what are we doing? Um, I don't blame. You can't blame Herm for the turnovers. Like, I guy fumbles. Like, how is that on the coach? But. The penalties, the lack of execution, the lack of guys getting better. And I, I texted, um, I think I, I was texting Blaine with this, um, one of our college friends. I was like, it could get bad for ASU next year. Like, not not <laughs> to the point of U of A bad, but they have a lot. They have a, basically an entire group of seniors on defense that are all going to leave. If Jaden leaves, if some of the, I mean, if it, it could get bad because the recruiting class this year is bad. The recruiting class last year was not good. Um, and they don't have, they don't, they just don't have a lot of depth that might stay. So it was, it, it was concerning. But on the other hand, Patrick, like you said earlier at the top of the segment, like it's the Pac 12. Like who knows? I mean, ASU is a, a Utah loss away from being right back in this thing. They yeah. still only have two conference losses. Like they're in it. But at Corvallis is going to be hard. Oregon State might be the second best team in the North. At Washington is tough. I think Washington is a little bit really better, smart. although they just lost to Stanford this week. But, I'm sorry. They, they apparently they beat Washington Stanford. doesn't concern themselves yeah. with recruiting players. It's just uh, on an academic level. 
we'll, we'll talk about we'll we'll talk about that. You want to talk so about let, let's so jump into that real quick because this was something okay. that Ryan said us. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the quote verbatim okay. because it is it is like my favorite. So I don't know. Should I read it verbatim? I mean, basically, he just said that, like, because he was asked about recruiting against Oregon, and he was like, we really don't recruit against Oregon. We recruit against, like, yeah, Notre Dame, basically, USC. Basically, his argument Stanford, was right? that un- the University of Washington is academically on par with these other schools. So, therefore, by rule, that the players that they're recruiting have to be that academically eligible, which I think is a load of bunk because, um, I don't know, I just I've just never thought of the University of Washington as a – high-minded institution of higher learning. I mean, it's, it's a good school, but I feel like coaches make this stuff going when things are going south for them really quickly. Um, I remember, not a great comparison, but I remember Tim Beckman when he was the head coach at Illinois and they were struggling. He went on a big rant about how, how we can't recruit guys because of the academic stuff here. So we can't have high expectations when it comes to recruiting and it's like you don't hear programs like Stanford, like Northwestern, like Notre Dame, um, Wisconsin, which has higher academic restrictions than a lot of other public universities. They don't make these excuses because they win. Um, and you don't hear about them as often. So I think that just is literally coming from a guy trying to make excuses because that hire has not really worked out for Washington. It's been bad, man. It's, 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 really it's been bad. How about how about Dan Mullen? So Dan Mullen yeah. was asked about recruiting because um, Florida right now I think has the sixth or seventh rated class in the SEC behind South Carolina and Missouri. And Dan Mullen said, "Well, we're not we're not at the recruiting season yet. We're we're we'll talk about recruiting when we get there." And everyone's just ripping on him. And I I watched the thing. What he basically said is like, "Hey, we're in season. It's a it's a week game week press conference. Like, let's not talk about recruiting." Now I, I kind of get that, but. It just like these coaches somehow make the job harder. Like just answer the question respectfully, divert, do the coach speak. Like if you don't want to answer the question, just like do up, do coach speak like everyone else does. Like, Hey, you know, Oregon recruits very well. We think we're doing a good job recruiting. We get our kind of guys. We get the guys well, that we want to play. It, um, I wish this, something but the best the for Mario though, and his like, program. It, that, it really that's is it? really any topic of conversation for these coaches. Talk, think about when the head coach of Washington state at the time, whose name always escapes him when he got fired for vaccine. People were asking him about his vaccination status. He could have just been like, Nick Rolovich, yes, Nick Rolovich. Nick he could have just been like, you know what? We're on to oh, whatever. God. But no, he made it a thing, and then it became a thing, and then he lost his job. Like, they're just – these. you're right, Ryan. These coaches make it harder than it has to be. When If you want to look to see how a press conference is supposed to go, watch any Nick Saban press conference. And they're like, hey, Nick, what would you see this week? They played good. We did not. We're moving on to next week. Like, give me 18 words so that way I can put it in my paper column and we can move on with our day. <laughs> you just got to get a Coca-Cola bottle in front of you. That's the that's the secret. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, with Dan Mullen, too, I mean, we saw him last year a couple of times, whether it was against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, where he basically said we were playing a JV team out there. There was no way we were going to win. Or when he said that he wanted 70,000 people in the swamp uh, last season because they had lost. Like wearing the Darth Vader mask, fighting yeah. the Missouri kids at halftime. Dan Mullen got some weird, 
weird stuff going on. There were reports of him trying to go to the NFL last year, or like looking at NFL jobs. Like that's a that's a guy that may not if a bigger like USC or NFL jobs like that could be a guy that jets for greener pastures, which is weird considering that they won the SEC East last year. Yeah. And they like are replacing guys like Kadarius Tony and Kyle <laughs> Trask, and nobody really cares in the SEC. Have to be good every yeah. year. Well, and that's been a knock on on Mullen too. Is he's a great developer of the guys that you get around him, right? But isn't that isn't that the name of the game? Like, so he makes the comment, "Oh, we're not in recruiting yeah. season." Like, yeah, like it is. Especially when I mean, you're, you're, at you're like, there's no excuse for you not to well, have the top ten. Class and 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 not when you're four and four with losses to Kentucky and LSU. Like they lost to a bad LSU team and a decent Kentucky team. Losing to Georgia thirty-four to seven is fine. Like that, everyone's going to lose to Georgia probably this year. Georgia's the best team in the country. <laughs> They've allowed fifty-three points in eight games. Like that's insane. But but like losing to a bad LSU team that was minus like all of their stars on defense and their best player on offense, and then getting destroyed by yeah, Kentucky it's not, it's not. is just not. It's not good. They got beat. Got beat by LSU, whose head coach knew he was done prior to. Yes, they got beat, and if you be- if you believe the reports, Lucas, Ed Orgeron was having his girlfriend's kids <laughs> jump in at, and in drills. What? Like it's insane, man! It's insane. No, I did not yes, hear that report. Didn't, didn't, didn't see that I report. Did not hear that. No. So like there were there were basically like reports of Ed Orgeron like bringing women to practice, and some of these women had kids and. Again, who knows what's real and what's not? But there, I think it was a, a local news reporter said like there, were, like his sources told him that the kids would jump in during drills. And who knows? Maybe that's like catching passes from the quarterback after practice or doing the jugs machine. Uh, but fantastic. like, it's just not it's good. Not a good not well, a good speaking, we, we're we're t- and speaking of coaches, we're talking about some maybe on the hot seat. Burning question: Did uh, did Miami miss the boat potentially to fire Manny Diaz? Because they're playing much better. They beat two ranked teams back-to-back weeks. Look, and we were talking about last week how it's becoming a trend where you fire a guy before they can get hot. Because <laughs> you don't want to If, if I'm a that, Miami you fan, don't want that excuse I'm hoping that there. one of these games to finish out the year, we get absolutely boat raced. Like, absolutely just annihilated. Because that reminds you that, like, Manny Diaz, like, may not be the answer. Like... I know that sounds really weird, like that you shouldn't root for a big loss, but if you're going to lose, like you want to really lose. So that way, like the boosters can be like, huh, there's going to be a lot of coaching carousels. And you mean to tell me that in a winnable, a now winnable ACC, now that maybe Dabo's grip, like who's to say we can't go convince Lane Kiffin to come to Miami and pay him a bunch of money? Like who's to say we can't go get our guy? Yeah. All right. And I agree. I think I think the biggest thing is going to – they have Georgia Tech this week, but how they fare against Florida State. I think if they lose to Florida State, no matter what, he's done. Yeah. But – The interesting I, thing about about um, about Miami, so they're 4-4. They're four and four. The two losses are to two top seven teams, top eight teams, Alabama and Mrs. Michigan State. They lost by two to Virginia on that missed field goal on that, what, Friday night, Thursday night game. And then the other loss was by three to UNC, so they're they're, they're playing decently well, especially after that Michigan State game, which is odd considering De'Ara King is out for the year and they're playing. Yeah. I think Tyler Van Dyke is his name. He's a, a true freshman. Yeah, who's been who's been good. Um, you know the, the ACC is just very Pac-12y this year. I mean, it feels like the Pac-12 where like 
ACC underdogs, I believe, were at one point fourteen and four against the spread. Like no one was favored against anyone. Um, if you very well may see Wake Forest win the conference, just because everyone else in that or in that in win the division, because everyone in that division is going to have two or three losses, and Wake's just probably going to have one or two. So um, I always thought Miami would come open. I think there are a lot of people that want to come open, um, but they're playing well. It's kind of a young team. Diaz has gone and played a lot of freshmen, and they're getting better. But Lucas, like you said, another team that's playing well is Florida State, though. Like, Florida State's yeah. playing pretty good football. Um, played Clemson tough. We're basically in that game the whole time. Like, they're they're playing good. So, it'll be interesting to see um, if Miami comes open. And, and what kind of caliber is that job? I don't think it's even near – it's nowhere near LSU. It's nowhere near USC. Like, it's probably on par with ASU at this point. I hate to say that, but, like, that program hasn't built a consistent winner in two decades. Yeah. Like at some point you're you just gotta have to move on. And, and it doesn't really have the public backing like a big public university like LSU, even like a USC um, or a Florida. I mean, it's a private school, and just with all the the history that's been there with uh, sanctions and all this stuff, um, I think I mentioned it last week. Like they they're not gonna shell out probably five to six million dollars for uh, for a head coach. So I just that already knocks out I think a lot of your top candidates. He's gonna he's gonna retire to Boca Raton anyway. I'm just like, praying if Herman leave. I just <laughs> I, I just want LSU to hire Dave Clawson because I think Dave that would Clawson. be a hell of a lot of fun. Who? I, oh. I hope ASU hires Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. Please, Dave, bring him in. God, that would be so great if ASU hired Dave. Be a great hire. We'll see. I don't know. He's pretty content. I feel like at Wake Forest, he might be hold, trying to hold out for. A better, like, better job, but I feel like ASU would be a step up. All right. That's, so, okay, that's do you guys have anything you want to talk about get rid in of terms of the SEC before we move on? Uh, Conference oh, champions. I, do, I, just, I just want to mention, uh, yeah, um, cow, ringing a cowbell at a sporting event should replace no. uh, clapping no. at every every sporting event. Um, yeah, yeah, Lucas, tell us about your uh, your you, trip to Starkville. Are you wearing a Mississippi State sweatshirt? Um, so it was. I am. This is the sweatshirt I bought. I wore this to the game on uh, Saturday. Um, but uh, no, it was fun. I mean, Starkville. Can you imagine it? It's it's a really small town. It's only like a town of like twenty five thousand people. Um, most of which work like for the university. Um, uh, but it was cool. I mean, it was my first like SEC like tailgate. Um, you know, there was people everywhere. Um, but it, it felt very similar to like, uh, a town that's like supports their high school football team. I don't mean that in like a bad way. It was just a real small town. Like everybody goes to that game. Like the whole town basically shuts down for that Mississippi state game. And, um, that was awesome. Mississippi state fans were great. Um, and they played really, really well. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, their campus is pretty nice. Um, their baseball stadium is amazing. Um, it was better than some major league baseball stadiums I've been to. National uh, championship. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's actually like very beautiful, um, aesthetically to look at. Um, and their stadium was cool too. It's a little smaller. It only fits about 50,000, but, uh, was really intimate. We had great seats. We were three rows up from, uh, from the Kentucky bench, which was, 
just awesome. But yeah, no, uh, ringing the cowbell was sweet. Um, that was a cool experience. Apparently in Starkville, you do not like if a guest visits that people don't buy wow. their first cowbell. Like somebody like gives it to you as a gift for like going to a game. So luckily my, my girlfriend's friend who lives there, uh, gave us cowbells as like welcome presents. And, uh, yeah, we rang them. I can already feel my head hurting from that concept. It's a ton of fun. It is not bad. It's not all game. Like they can't do it. Basically it just replaces like when you clap at the end of like a play, um, you cannot do it. Like when a team's huddling up, um, or like, calling their play out. It even says like, it says on like the scoreboard, like respect the bell, just yell. Like when a team's like doing their cadence and everything. Um, and then once they hike it, you can start ringing it. Uh, but we were largely doing it for like big plays. Like when you would normally like clap or like do that, you were just, and said that you just rung a cowbell. It was actually, cause I was worried the whole game. But uh, no, it was it was honestly it was really really cool and uh, sounds like a good time. Yeah, we're hoping to go down. All right, guys. So let's move nice. on. We talked about our recaps this week. Um, talked about some coaching things. Um, Ryan, I just want to hear your prediction real quick before we move forward because I have an interesting prediction. If Herm Edwards does get replaced, who does he get replaced by? <laughs> wow. Uh, Jake Plummer. <laughs> I say that only half sarcastic because we've seen Ray Anderson with his two coaching hires most recently, the football coach Herm and the baseball coach Willie Bloomquist, really go out of the box. Players connected to the program or connected to him. I, to be honest, people ask me, like when we're kind of spitballing, fire Herm, fire Herm, but who's going to replace him? I don't know. Um, There isn't the hotshot group of five coach. Um that is on the West coast that you could hire, right? Like Brady Hoke is the best group of five coach on the West coast. And he's already been a power five coach that failed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the trendy names like Dan Lanning, the DC of Georgia, who was a ASU grad assistant or Todd Graham could be interesting. And we saw the last Georgia DC Mel Tucker took a job at Colorado for a year and now has had great success at Michigan state. Um, people spec like Billy Napier is a guy that has ASU ties, was a former OC here. If he doesn't get the LSU job and not a lot of other SEC jobs open, is that a name that could happen? I think there are some NFL guys that could get in the mix here just based on Ray's history in terms of NFL coordinators, or maybe you hire some of the hotshot young offensive minds from the NFL. Like, I don't know. I mean, Ray is a, it's kind of like the USC job where Ray is an X factor. You just don't. You don't know. I mean, the head coach of UTSA, Jeff Trailer, just signed an extension. Not that that means much, but I think he might wait for a bigger job or a more geographically um, job that makes more sense for that. You know, a job in Texas, job in the in the Big Twelve footprint. So, if you like, if I had to guess right now, like I would say maybe Billy Napier, but that might even be a fool's errand. Can you hear my theory? Yeah. <laughs> no, can we move on, Lucas? Who's your uh, no. asshole? All right. <laughs> so I think I'm on fire tonight, baby. Some devils look anywhere outside the building. I think they hire the guy. I think Antonio Pruger's just gets promoted. Just go Arizona Pierce? wanted to hire him. He told no. him, to "Fuck off." And 
no, 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 Patrick, here's the thing. The reason Herm Edwards is getting fired is because of the investigation, bro. Antonio Pierce scrubbed ASU from his Twitter account. There are some reports that he is, like, there's some, like, Antonio Pierce is gone. I thought you were going to say Marvin Lewis, to be honest. I thought you were going to say Marvin dude, that's Lewis, just, which dude, that's just Herm is not believable, like, but might be more believable. Like, was it, or... They bring back uh, they Antonio bring Pierce back, uh, is gone. Antonio Pierce is, I think, gone regardless. I'm, I'm Michael yeah. Crow, the ASU president, does not do scandals. He has worked tooth and nail to clean up the image of the program. He does not want this. If Herm was going to win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl, they probably would have kept him. They're not doing that. I, I think they clean house. I think that. I think they. I think they totally clean house. I could see Brady Hoke. Could see Jeff Trailer from UTSA. Um, the BYU coach could be interesting. Like I, if you're, but like I don't think Ray so, is so, a. So he goes. The he box, goes and gets like Kyle Shanahan's like quarterbacks coach. coach. Like, <laughs> or right, actually, right, actually, or Eric okay. Bieniemy, or like whatever no, it is. He brings in uh, <laughs> brings in Hugh Jackson. No, so <laughs> <laughs> actually. You know who'd be an interesting hire? Uh, Little Lafleur, uh, the OC of the New York Jets, like Mike Lafleur. That, yeah, especially yeah, considering Mike, like his Mike, offense, Mike, he kind Mike of made Lafleur. it collegey to make Zach Wilson work, which it didn't. But yeah, it did. It made <laughs> so, Mike White work. But you see, it's, something like that would be very interesting because then all of a sudden you're like, ah, shit, here we go again. And like I, I joked about Jake Plummer, but like I could eat, like they hired Willie Bloomquist to be the baseball coach with no previous ex- like no coaching experience at all. They could very easily hire Jake Plummer, uh, I mean Deion Sanders, like guys like that to like a big name to excite the fan base and just try to do the higher experience coordinators, yeah. like kind of like what they tried so, to do. But with you, her. S- you know, I just don't know that that's working Ray to change sports entirely, but that's working in college basketball. You find a guy that was beloved by the program and you bring him in. The examples are Anthony Hardaway at Memphis, which <laughs> scandals, uh, <laughs> uh, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, NA. Jawan Howard at Michigan. Like you can see where these things kind of line up where, yeah, Michigan happened to be good, but I know a couple Georgetown fans that were ecstatic that Patrick Ewing came in. I was like, oh, man, Pat Ewing. And it's like, okay, settle down. He's Patrick Ewing. Like, so. Yeah. Of course. I, I feel like that works better in basketball just because it's easier to recruit. Like, not easier to recruit, but yeah. you just need, like, three or four really good players to really turn around. I mean, Penny Hardaway run, I mean, brought in the number one player in the country. <laughs> <laughs> we found out he was helping him out, but um, – but you know it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we, we no one thought that Herm Edwards, who hadn't coached in almost like a damn decade, yeah. was going to be the head coach at ASU when it was named. Um, so it should be interesting. I think I think you hit the name. I thought Billy Napier would be the fun name. Brady Hoke would be interesting. I just don't know if that type of style that he likes to play, where it's very old school, like we're not gonna we're gonna score 20 points but we're gonna hold you to zero um maybe you get brady hoke so we can bring his like punter who's gonna be the greatest punter ever to play the game with yeah, he's fucking all right speaking of so, Heisman, really yeah he's good um but yeah. anyways yeah it'll be uh it'll be and we of course I, I think we of course will have wall to wall coverage we'll do an entire podcast on the arizona state coaching search once herm does get shown the door all right now
moving forward, um, tomorrow is a big day in college football. In fact, it is one of six really big days to follow over the next month. Tomorrow we get the first college of football playoff ranking from the people in the boardroom. Ryan, you're in the boardroom. Who's your top four and why? Okay, so here's the thing. I I think these rankings should be based on what you have done this season, right? I don't care about your recruiting rankings. I don't care about about your program prestige. I don't care about the the outside factors, right? So obviously, uh, Georgia should be number one. I would I would probably do the top four as Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Oklahoma. Maybe Michigan State too. So if if you look at the undefeated teams, right, you have six undefeated teams left. Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Wake Forest, and UTSA. I personally do not think Alabama has the resume to be in the top four at this point, nor do I think Ohio State has the resume to be in the top four. Alabama does not have a win over a ranked team. They're actually, okay, I'm, I apologize. Their best win is against a 6-2 and two Ole, Ole Miss team who's 15. Um, Oregon, in my opinion, should be ahead of Ohio State and ahead of Alabama. So I probably put them five. I it like this is tough for me. I do think when you get to this point, it's just hard to win your games. Hard to win your games. It's it's hard to be eight. No, I don't care if you play the Wake Forest schedule, the Cincinnati schedule. Like it's it's just hard. So I would want to reward the four teams. Um, so I would probably go Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan State, in some order, behind Georgia. Lucas? Yeah, um, I would probably put Cincinnati in my top four. I'll be shocked if they're in the top, like, eight. Um, I, think they'll be, they, I think they'll be in the six to eight range. Range. It'll be – that's where I'm most interested in is seeing where they get picked – because if you look at, yeah, their schedule, but they have one of the best wins in the country. They beat Notre Dame in South Bend and rather handedly, too. Um, and they haven't lost. Um, I, it drives me nuts when people try to argue losses more than they argue, okay, well, who did they actually beat? Um, at the end of the day, you still lost that game. If we're going to treat the regular season as like its own playoff, those losses have to matter. So, yeah, I would have Georgia number one. I think that's going to be a unanimous pick as it, as it's been. I'd probably put Michigan State um, right now at number two, which is just mind-boggling still right now for me to say. Um, I'd probably have Oklahoma at number three, and then I would probably have uh, Cincinnati at number four. Um, but I have a feeling it's going to be Georgia, o- Oklahoma, Michigan State, and probably like Alabama that will probably be there. The interesting thing is, like, George, like, Oregon, Oregon has the best win in the country. Cincinnati probably has the second best win in the country. Texas A&M probably has the third best win in the country. Like, the fact that Oregon went into, like, I don't know how Oregon is behind Ohio State in the AP. They went to Columbus and won. They won in Columbus. (laughs) Won on the road. But but Oregon has a worse loss than Ohio State. That's Uh, what the argument, like, is. 
But who is Ohio State's lost to? Oh, it was to freaking Oregon. <laughs> like it's it's always very it's it's this stuff always frustrates me because I hate the thing of like the four best teams. Just put the four best teams. If we do that, right, then go to 247sports.com, look up the team talent composite. That'll give you what four teams have the most talent in the country. Put those four teams in. Why why are we playing the games? If Alabama's ranked ahead of Oregon, why are we playing the games anymore? Right? Oregon has a better win. And the losses like AM's better than Stanford. I get that. That's a weird bad loss. But Alabama lost on the road to an unranked team. Oregon lost on the road to an unranked team. Yeah. Like, I don't get and, and trust me, like it is Alabama will be four or three. If now if Michigan State's behind Alabama, like again, I'm 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 gonna lose it. Yeah. I'm gonna lose it emotionally. What, and maybe what's tomorrow, what's tomorrow? Like it's just it's it's ridiculous that the games don't matter. Georgia, like Cincinnati, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and we're all sitting here going, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, guys, we have to understand that's what it's going to be. Like, we just have to understand that that that's what's it's going to be that way. It'll be it'll be Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, which will be fun. That's fine. If Cincy doesn't make the again, like. If Cincy doesn't make the college football playoff, going undefeated, being they already top ranked two, in the, the top five in the AP, in the AP people, top two, then we, need to, then we need to figure out we're not doing something but, right. We but, are, but, we are, they're but, not but, playing but, the same sport the as Alabama. This is a made, right a made up of I mean, a committee, what, what, most of which have ties to these bigger programs in some, and in some of these capacities. So it's the self fulfilling right, prophecy, yeah. which is the powerful people make the powerful decisions. And the powerful people like, and this is why even going back to, yeah, we can talk shit about the BCS all day till we're blue in the face. Like, and we probably did, but at least with the BCS, there wasn't this like, Oh, I'm going to vote for this program because I'm insert person who. Imagine if, imagine if the Kansas city chiefs were seven and nine, they finished seven and nine in the NFL regular season. And they made the playoffs over the Miami Dolphins, who finished nine and seven, because the committee thought that Kansas City was one of the six best teams. Like that's what we have. And like, imagine if like the Golden State Warriors, right? They lost in the play-in tournament last year in the NBA. They lost two games. They were out. Imagine if the NBA committee said, "You know what? We think they're better than Memphis, so we're just going to put them in." Yeah. Like we don't like. I don't care if you think Alabama is better than Cincinnati. Like that doesn't matter. What matters is what did you accomplish during the season. And we just we bump up the SEC like losses but, and wins in the SEC. It, they need way, more than other leagues. That about they this, that, like, at the beginning of the year, of the twenty-five ranked teams, you're going to get like ten of them that are at the at the SEC. That's an over exaggeration, but you're yeah, it's like eight. Okay, so then what happens is like the eight, number yeah. two team beats the number twelve team, even though the number twelve team probably was next to the number twelve team, and they get this artificial bump. Because they're self-filling. It was like this a couple years ago. Remember when LSU came out of the gate and they were like number nine, number eight to start the preseason? And then they kind of fell off the table, but people kept referring to, well, you know, Texas A&M beat LSU in week three when they were number – and it's like, no. Well, that's why these these rankings, these preseason rankings are such crap because – it makes us view the sport in a specific way 
for really no reason. Like the only reason we think these teams, some of these teams are ranked like, Oh, well they're five and three, but they were ranked high at the beginning of the year. Like, so they're better than what their record probably is. And it's just. Also, why do we have the AP poll? What there's there. Why do we have the AP poll? It doesn't matter. I guess for TV, so you can hype up your big rankings, but like, they don't, they don't matter. Also, why do we do this show it's, every it's single like, week? It's like all about it's money. So that way ESPN matter. on Saturday nights can be like, oh, we've got the number six team against the number two team. It's And then they got yeah. an hour-long show that they're going to get crazy ratings yeah. from more than probably some other games. It's ridiculous. And then we're going to fight and bitch about all this <laughs> stuff. And, yet I'm gonna and, and like tomorrow night. And like I'm watching it. So it's just like... I I honestly God don't even watch it. Like I I'll see the rankings on Twitter. Like I don't care. The fact that they rank twenty five teams too. Like what? Give me what? Ten. Give me ten. Give me the top eight. Who and cares? What about? they do is they'll pick like they'll get like Bama's like bad non conference game. Like whoever they played like out west, like Colorado State, and they'll put them like at twenty five. Yeah. No, guys, you game. just watch. You just watch. Miami's gonna work its way back into the rankings if they go six and four. Miami will be 25. This is what they do, right? Like, Ole Miss loses to Auburn. They drop, like, three spots. I'm like, wait, you're, like, what? You're 6-3. Well, and three. Why don't we have something like we have for Because, so, have, like, so the, the, there is that. But the problem is, so like, is that's what the BCS essentially was, is it was a computer measuring what mattered. And we don't have that anymore. We don't have an objectifiable way to be like, this team is good and this team. Now, granted, it takes a lot more input. But the dudes over at Pro Football Focus have figured a lot of this stuff out. Like, why are we sitting here putting a bunch of suits and ties in a room to make decisions about college football, bringing in their own biases? Because that's what it is. The fact that Condoleezza Rice gets to sit in a room and make decisions about college football, like, the fuck are we talking about? Or or the fact that, like, the college yeah. football playoff was created by ESPN. Like, and they basically <laughs> get to decide what teams they are. They decide that through the year by who they air uh, on their national. I'm gonna get to upset here. I'm I, I may have to hop off if we keep doing that. It, it upsets me. It upsets me because when UCF goes 25 and one over two years and doesn't sniff the playoff, what are we doing? Why are they even in What's the same the division there? The we put the group of five to their own playoff. Like, what are we doing? It doesn't matter, right? When 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 a 12 and one Iowa. Or an eleven and two Wisconsin is graded on a different curve than a, a ten and two Florida or a ten and two LSU. Like we're not playing the same sport here, right? Because we still think that recruiting rankings are the be all end all, and this this team talent ranking is actually accurate. Guess what? Wake Forest is eight. No, they've had two of the last three years. They've had the worst recruiting class in the. So a- we need to we need ACC. to get we actually. Mm-hmm. So 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 ironically, so they're, I they're the of teams. who makes these decisions pulled up in front of me. <laughs> God, God, Wake's gonna lose this week, aren't they? So, so Ryan, we need <laughs> to get in, in Paula Boyvin's here. She's on the selection. She's, she's on. I know it's and honestly good for Paula because she's the only one. I think she's the only female. Yeah, and yeah. she's the only like non football coach. Mitch Barnhart, Gary Barta, Tom Berman. I don't know who half these people are, but it's like these people sit in a room and make a decision. Yeah, the athletics director at the University of Kentucky. I'm going to take his opinion on when it comes, whether or not Alabama should be in the national championship because, oh, his program legitimately profits from the fact that more than one SEC team being in the college football playoff works. 
Well, Gary Barda's the he's the AD at Iowa. Yeah. So you know he'll be pulling hard for all those Big Ten teams to be ranked really, really high. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's just nuts. I, I, and I, this is why I want them to expand it, even though it's going to be the same BS, <laughs> but with just more teams in the discussion. But it's it's more teams, at least in like a 12-team. We're not talking about Cincinnati going yeah, undefeated so and not mo- even getting a shot to play for a national. Yeah. Like Ryan said, like, what the hell's the point of them even playing in so, FBS? And the other thing is, is like, no what happened to this idea that, like, we're going to have an independent committee? As I'm looking over all these bios, it's, Director of Athletics at this university. Director of Athletics at that university. It's I don't know because if these no. guys are directors, are they really watching all these games? No. Well, they're they're Wait, assigned. They're... I think each of them is like assigned oh, like a okay. conference. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so, I remember Lucas, whose side are you on here? Okay. Damn it. No, no, I'm just saying. So, I'm just saying they so, are. So they I have are a, I have a fun I have a fun here's a fun one here's a here's officially my favorite person. Okay, uh, John Urshel, ringing any bells? He was a fifth-round selection of the 2014 NFL Draft. He's got a bachelor's degree in mathematics from Penn State. He's got a master's degree in mathematics from Penn State and is currently pursuing a Ph.D. in applied mathematics from MIT. He's officially my favorite person. Because you know his rankings are all going to be jacked up. He's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> right. He's going to have, like, the Bill Connolly SB Plus, like, rankings. From, oh, yeah. Oh, like, give it to me. Give it to me. And offensive success rate. Oh. And... Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, I just – it's like it's like it's right. a weird collection of people to be making this decision. And then it always begs the question, who selects the selectors? This is, this is some – anyway. So, but before Ryan – because, Ryan, I can already tell your face is turning red. Because it's <laughs> – so – so what, right? Would you like us to not discuss just, these rankings on the pod until they actually mean something? No, I mean like we can, but like I, I mean, like this is what's going to happen. Ohio State's going to be like six or seven, and if they win out, they'll they'll be in over Cincinnati. Like, doesn't matter. Since he could be ranked three, it doesn't matter. Like, and since he maybe, I'm, I'm guessing, like, if I had to guess what the rankings are going to be, I, I would say Georgia 1, I would say Oklahoma 2, Michigan State 3, Alabama 4, I would guess Ohio State 5, Cincy 6, Oregon 7. I think it would be my top 7. Like, I think Ohio State will be ranked too high. I think Alabama will be ranked too high. I think Cincy will be too low. I expect Michigan State in the top 4. Oklahoma, I don't even know if they have good wins, but they'll probably be there because they're Oklahoma and they're undefeated. So, see what um, happens. So, tomorrow night, Tuesday, by the time you all hear this, it'll probably be out and we'll all look like clowns. All right. So, this week, real quick, we got some roses to hand out. We're going to do this kind of lightning round. Lucas, who gets your rose this week? Um, so my rose is actually going to go to the game that I was in uh, attendance this week, uh, Mississippi State at Kentucky. Mississippi State winning that game 31-17. I'm going to actually give it to Will Rogers, uh, the quarterback for Mississippi State. Um, that guy was on all night, 36-39 for 344 yards. I mean, Mississippi State's offense was just in rhythm. They actually pretty much ran a 50-50 split, which is weird uh, to say in a Mike uh, Mike Leach offense. But 
Will Rogers looked good, and Mississippi State's looked impressive, really, over the last. You take out that Alabama game where they were kind of the revenge game for Alabama after their loss to AM. Um, they've been playing well. Uh, a much improved team from a year ago, a team that I actually picked last to finish in the SEC West. Um, it's looking pretty good. So I'm actually going to give it to, to Will Rogers for Perfect. only Ryan, three completions on 39 passes. Yeah, so my rose is going to go to Dave Aranda and the uh, the Baylor Bears. Baylor, another win over Texas. Um, <laughs> Texas status, uh, not back, for those wondering. Uh, Baylor is 7-1. and one. Their only loss was to Oklahoma State on the road. They have a win over Iowa State. They have a home win against BYU. That continues to look good after the Cougars um, beat Virginia in a insane game on Saturday night. Uh, and they have one over Texas. So this is Baylor's last four games at TCU when Gary Patterson no longer the coach there. They host Oklahoma, which could be a real big one on November 13th, at Kansas State and at Texas Tech. So two of their four coaches, two of the four teams they played fire their coach, um, which will be interesting. Um, Baylor right now, it's Baylor and Oklahoma State to be in that Big 12 title game with Oklahoma. So Dave Aranda, year two, doing some nice things. They have really taken on his identity. They're a good defensive team. Um, so Dave Aranda gets my gets, uh, gets my rose for a big in-state really win. The difference maker in that Michigan-Michigan State game. Um, I believe thoroughly that he's the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, my rose goes to Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State. Uh, 23 carries, 197 yards. So that's average of 8.6 yards per carry. Uh, with a with five total touchdowns, um, so all of them, all of them. Like <laughs> that's that's all you need to know, right there. All of them in an upset win, which really, I mean, it was the sixteen versus the eighteen, however you want to call. It, but a big win, big in-state win um, for the team that should be in the college football playoff. But you know, as we just talked, and I want to make Ryan's blood pressure spike. Um, you know, we, we will certainly see. But yeah, Kenneth Walker the third probably if he keeps going the way he's going, he will win the Heisman Trophy. I have no. If Kenneth Walker keeps running like he is, they will change <laughs> the Paul Bunyan Trophy yeah. to just Kenneth Walker. So right now, yeah, I mean, like, like, like you guys said, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker right now is the Heisman Trophy winner. I think Bryce Young has a good chance to get in that in that race with a, a strong month of November. Um, I thought Bijan Robinson was going to come on strong. Texas is fading a bit. Like you have to have the right combination of being a good offensive player on a really good team. And that's so few and far between man. Patty, Patty brought up Desmond Ritter a couple, um, to us off the, off the pod, which I think, which I think is an interesting name. It's going to be a weird, it's been a weird year. It's going to be a weird Heisman year. I mean, Lucas, I'm sorry, but Kenny Pickett, Kenny Heisman. That hurt him. That hurt him. I I had a really good feeling. I was almost gonna bet that plus four thousand for Kenny Pickett for the Heisman, but uh, I mean he still has a shot. They got to probably win out, but uh, that loss against uh, Miami was. Lucas, if you're gonna do that, just can you Venmo me the five dollars instead? Like I'll I'll take it. It'll be actually better used. It'll be better used. And if he wins, I'll Venmo you back like the two hundred. Never gonna get. Who's got a sixty-four percent completion percentage? He's thrown 18 touchdowns and four interceptions. He's got three rushing touchdowns. And he's a, he plays for a top five team. If he had a different logo on his helmet, he'd by and large be the number one contender for the Heisman Trophy. But he's not. Desmond Ritter. If he, if he had Desmond a Ritter, baby. or an M or an A, 
with a fucking alligator on his helmet? I kind of disagree. Like, I mean, 18 touchdowns is okay. Three rushing touchdowns is okay. It's not. My 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 hot take is I think Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, if he had a different name on or a different helmet on him, or Wake was rated higher when the season started, that could be a guy because his numbers are insane. They're insane. Yeah, and, and I think what hurt what's hurt Ritter is he didn't play particularly great against I know like Indiana and a couple of those games where he kind of struggled early on. Not that that will hold, but that could they could hold that against them. But uh, but yeah, no. Sam Hartman's numbers. I mean, that Wake offense is just ridiculous. So just like um, basically, just I, I love I, I love watching Wake when it's like and, yeah, it's third and one, and they're like, all right, go routes. <laughs> With like that one slant coming across the middle, it's going to strike the thirty-five yards. Okay, well that was our. Those were our roses, some little Heisman talk. Now we're going to come to the main part of the show, which you all love to hear from us. This is our picks for the week. Um, we all do our, our pick, our upset, and our lock. Um, Ryan, which do you want to start with this week? All right, well, let's do a quick quick, quick little recap of last week. Uh, Ryan and Patrick both went 2-1. and one. Um, we had a fight on the Auburn Ole Miss game. I won. Auburn covered. So that your only loss was Ole Miss. So, so, sorry, your loss, Patrick, was Ole Miss plus two and a half. Your wins were Georgia minus thirteen and a half and Oklahoma minus nineteen and a half. My wins were Auburn minus two and a half. My UTEP pick plus eleven and a half covered. Kentucky minus one point five was a loss. Lucas Rody three and a week um, for Mister Rody. He also took Georgia for his pick. The under forty two and a half in Illinois Rutgers. Never a doubt for his lock. Miami plus eleven and a half outright winners for Lucas Rody. Our standings: Patrick and Lucas tied at sixteen and eight, and I am fourteen and ten. Right, let's so start with our upsets. upsets. Let's start with, let's start with the upsets. Ties just so much to our previous conversation. Um, really weird line. That I came across, and I was like, ooh, I want it. Uh, Wake Forest, plus two and a half on the road at North Carolina. Like, this game Wake should walk away from as winners, and I get them as underdogs. I would take them outright. I'd put the money line on them. Uh, Wake plus two and a half. They're going to score a whole bunch of points. And I just, what, whether or not North Carolina is a good team, I just don't think they can keep up. I think that's what we're finding out with Wake Forest, is it's not so much that their defense is very good. It's just that teams just can't keep up. Like, they get up 14 points, and you're like, okay, i got to keep throwing. And Wake Forest is like, okay, you keep throwing. Yeah. We have no interest in running off the clock because we're going to keep throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. And well, so Wake Forest, they probably, I, I'm going to say Wake Forest wins outright, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the plus two and a half points while I can get them. Lucas? I am actually um, going to be taking, going, switching over to the Big 12. I'm actually going to be taking Texas plus six and a half um, at Iowa State. Um, I know Texas I, I know Texas has been playing great. They've lost three in a row, uh, even though some of those have been pretty close contests. Um, and against good teams, both Baylor and Oklahoma. Um, and Iowa State, once I thought I started believing them again, they go on the road and they lose to a kind of average to below average West Virginia team, uh, 38-31. Uh, an offense that's not severely explosive, where I think Texas might be able to exploit that. Um, 
and I think this is going to be a close game. It's in Ames, which helps Iowa State, but I kind of like Texas a lot here, plus six and a half. Um, I just don't think it will be a touchdown game for Iowa State. All righty. Um, how about our so, how about our picks? I th- did you give out your upset, Ryan? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. Um, I am. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm own four betting against betting on ASU games this year. I'm own four. I'm picking USC plus nine and a half. Um, I don't think there's much fight left in this ASU team. And if it is, I don't think they're 10 points better than USC. I I just don't. I know USC's not playing great. They only beat U of A by seven at home last week. But I, I just I don't think ASU wins by more than 10. Not, not the team that's taken the field the last two weeks. So USC plus nine, plus nine and a half. It, it, it's like the roulette table. You just got to be right once, and then you uh, you finally yeah, can start I mean, in good mode. Uh, <laughs> Four times on red, it's got to be black. All right. And pick yeah, eventually we're just going to do So we're going to go over our, just our standard run-of-the-mill picks. Lucas, who are you picking this week? Or what are you picking this week? I am – yeah, I am actually taking – once again, staying in the Big 12. I'm actually taking Baylor minus six and a half against TCU. Uh, Baylor's been really, really impressive this year. Uh, Ryan, you kind of hit on it. Dave Aranda really turned that thing around after a, a struggle last year in his first year. Uh, but offensively, they're much more explosive than they were a year ago. And they're playing a TCU team that just fired yeah, its right. head coach midweek. That's what we thought about Arizona um, State last week. I'd like to point no that out. No idea. And it... Yeah. But uh, but I feel like that was a little bit different. That was they, Those guys, I think, wanted to play hard. They were rallying behind their head coach. They nearly beat BYU the week before. This was already a TCU team that already looked like it was kind of canceled out on this season. And now that their head coach is gone, a lot of these guys might be looking for other places to play next year. So I I think just going all that, I like Baylor minus six and a half um, right. there in, uh, in Fort Worth this weekend. Boys, it's a special week here. We get, we get a few of these weeks a year where we get a bet that hits at a 70, what, 8% rate. Lucas knows what I'm talking about. When two service academies play, the under is the under is roughly like thirty five nine and one since like oh eight. It's insane. Now this is a low number. This is a we we just had the two service academies from the Big Ten play Iowa and Wisconsin. This is on this is on that caliber. I am taking the under thirty seven and a half in Air Force Army, baby. Let's ride. I'm a little worried because Army's pretty good. They scored 56 on Wake, but give me the long possessions. That's it's an early game on CBS. I'm ready for the ride. Let's lock. So let's like... let's. You're <laughs> right. This game's at 10:30 in the morning. Yeah, so it's it's an it's an 8:30. For some reason, it's on CBS. I don't know why it's it's in a half hour earlier. Hopefully, you have better luck than the last time we bet on a, a 10:30 game, Ryan. Uh, what Illinois? Illinois, Virginia. Ah. <laughs> Both of them. Why do we keep bringing up Illinois? <laughs> I I actually looked at Illinois for my upset because they're fourteen and a half point dogs against against. All Minnesota. right, and my pick my pick for this week, uh, um, I think Daddy. is probably my favorite quarterback matchup all season. Um, 
probably two guys that are both going to go in the first round um, this week would be Malik Willis and Matt Corral. Uh, Liberty actually goes on the road to face Ole Miss and the, uh, and the Rebels and Matt Corral. Um, I'm excited for this game. I think this will be a good good time to showcase some NFL talent arms, and I think it'll be good. Uh, I'm taking Old Miss. Old Miss is laying nine and a half. Um, I think Old Miss kind of wins this game outright. I, you're an SEC school at home. Just fucking take care of business. Like, you should. This should be a two touchdown win. I think Matt Corral probably throws three touchdown passes. I think Malik Willis probably throws a couple too. But I just think Old Miss is bigger, better, and faster. Should win this game, no problem. And last but not least, we're going to talk about some locks. Um, I will go first, just to kind of get the flow rolling. Um, this is a really big line to lock in, but um, they haven't let me down thus far this year, and I don't think they're going to let me down anytime soon. This is the University of Georgia. is at home against the Missouri Tigers. They are laying 37 and a half points. Georgia's averaging, <laughs> Georgia's averaging 38 points per game, only giving up six. So it's close. <laughs> it's gonna be tight. <laughs> it's gonna be close. This this could be uh yeah, this is a tough line because this feels like a game Georgia's up like thirty one nothing at halftime and then just kind of coasts. But if pa- Patrick, to be honest, if yeah, only, if exactly. if Missouri can score a touchdown, I, we're in trouble. So what I'm thinking, but if they don't, we're in, we're in okay shape. I, I I love Georgia's defense. I think Georgia's defense has got one of the best front sevens we've seen in college football in a long time. Um, gap control. They understand what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They can all get to the quarterback. It's kind of gross. But I think the thing about Georgia that makes this Georgia Bulldogs team special is their special teams. And I think that Missouri, because they don't give up a lot of return yards, they block punts, they get in kickers' heads. So I think Missouri is going to have a hard time just in the like in the kicking and transition game, where if they go to punt, Georgia is going to get down there and cover and pin them deep. Or and then when Missouri tries to punt, so I think Georgia is probably going to score fourteen ish points on special teams and defense, um, just from those two systems alone. And then their offense plays really complementary offense, where they're not moving the ball down the field a ton, you know, with big throws or anything, but they're able to kind of control the game and do what they want to do. I would be willing to bet that Missouri maybe kicks a field goal, maybe gets a field goal, but I think Georgia's going to hold them to under seven points. Your your hope is yeah. that this kind of goes like oh, yeah. the Georgia Vandy game, where yeah, it's like yeah, you're like you're like watching this game, you're like, oh, this is ugly, order. but I'm going to keep watching. Where oh, Connor yeah. Bay or uh, Mizzou oh, yeah. throws like two or three. Oh, yeah. I want this to be ugly. I want I want this. I want Georgia in this game to score more points than their basketball team averaged last year. <laughs> All righty, my uh, my lock of the week. I'm trying to I'm trying to reel us back in here. We're talking about special teams and Missouri, and my lock of the week is Michigan State minus three and a half at Purdue. Um, I don't think lightning's going to strike twice. Could you imagine if Purdue? beats two top five teams at home. Can you just imagine? I don't think it's going to happen twice. Bit of a letdown spot for Michigan State. I think this could be a 10 or 7-point win. I think they cover by more than a field goal. So I'm taking Michigan State minus 3.5 as my lock of the week. So, Rye, we're actually in a, in a lock agreement on this one as well. But I'll let you get – I got it at 2.5 if you want to go down to 2.5. 
Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, it's three and a half on FanDuel right now. That sounds great. Yeah, I got two and a half. Uh, I think yesterday I, I bet it. Um, I'm gonna so I'll give you two and a half now. for that. Um, right but now. yeah, kind of the same thing you said. I don't see Purdue striking lightning twice, especially this Michigan State team is a little bit better offensively than what Iowa is. Um, I mean, the fact that they have the Heisman Trophy favorite right now on that side of the ball. Uh, I mean, Michigan. I mean, Wisconsin was able to run all over Purdue, and it would not shock me. Michigan State's able to do the same. Um, but yeah, I like you said, could be a letdown, uh, especially with a couple of big games for Michigan State coming up. But I, I like the Spartans here as my lock, um, minus two and a half. Old strategy cut. Well, boys, um, I did not do any Patty's picks this week. Um, there wasn't anything stupid, so. I decided to kind of move towards it. Unless you want to bet on, like, Northern Illinois. But there's a little bit of action. Uh, yeah, Northern oh, Illinois, plus three and a half at Kent State. Over under is, 60, <laughs> over, under is 66 and a half. That's a, it's actually, actually a huge game. Both those are the those, uh, Northern Illinois' top team in the MAC West. And Kent State right now is tied for first in the MAC East. Potential... Mac championship preview. Somebody uh yeah. somebody tweeted this is uh like they they tweeted on like Friday night or whatever. It was like there is football on every night from now until the the week after Thanksgiving, I think, like oh, the Tuesday yeah. after Thanksgiving. Because you have Mac on Tuesday, Wednesday, NFL and college on Thursday, college on Friday, and then it just goes to the weekend. It's it's awesome, man. Maction is is truly incredible. Tuesday night Maction. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We also have a battle of the Michigans. Uh, I want to say not Michigan, Michigan State, the even little, little brothers in Central and Western Michigan. That it should. Should be a lot of fun. Well, boys, how do you think we did this week? Fun show. Kind of an off the rails, <laughs> like Rose Bros after dark kind of a show, but yeah, it was good. I live my life off the rails, so it would. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we did a good show. Um, I want to thank our sponsors. Um, we don't have any sponsors. I was about to get real excited, like you guys were about to get some game day checks. Um, <laughs> I'll ask. I'll ask my dad if he wants to sponsor us for our. Uh... His used car dealership, if that wants to be our sponsor moving forward, for uh, even though it only will impact <laughs> yeah, your, 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 your local cell phone. I think that's really funny. Whenever you're watching like a local broadcast for a pro team, say you're streaming or whatever, and they're like, "And this is brought to you by the Southern Illinois Honda dealers." Drive what Canon Day is driving. You're like, I... <laughs> <laughs> the, the proud <laughs> yeah. Hyundai provider of the Salukis. Like this is brought to you by Sanderson Ford. If you're in the Greater Phoenix area. Go to Sanderson Ford for all your Ford truck needs. Well, I think it's another exciting week of college football. I think it's going to be a good week. We're going to watch some football, eat some food. Ryan's going to get angry about some rankings tomorrow. So uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, oh, man, it's going to be so good. Ryan's just going to throw it in the chat and just be like, ugh. Watch them come out. Watch, watch them come out and rank Cincinnati number one just to mess with all of I'm us, talking. just to like get us off kilt for like a week. They won't do that, but they should. All right. Or watch the only ranked uh, 
ranked ACC team is Wake Forest. Again, why are we ranking 2015? All right. But for the team of Lucas Rohde and Ryan Baffalucas, I am Patrick Wagner. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay frosty.